From the headquarters of Team Cowboy, coming to you all the way from Anderson, South Carolina, this is the Finance Cowboy Show, where we're going to teach you how you can create your dream life through the greatest asset in the world, real estate. I'm your host, Jaron Sustar, and I went from having zero properties in 2018 to a portfolio of over $5 million worth of real estate by 2021. And I am excited to be able to teach you all the lessons, tips, and tricks that I have learned throughout my journey, while also introducing you to some of the greatest real estate minds in this entire world. So without further ado, let's get this party started. What's up, friends? On today's episode, I want to talk to you guys about what we need to look for when we are analyzing a rental property. It's not just what is our rents minus our mortgage gives us our cash flow. That's not how it works, unfortunately. Yes, we need to know what our rents are so that we can subtract it from our mortgage and know what's left over, but there's more than just our mortgages that are going to be in our expenses. We got to look at maintenance, vacancies, and all sorts of things. And so I want to walk you through what we need to look for. That way we can take that information and then plug it into a rental property calculator. And then that calculator can tell us, hey, this is a good deal, or hey, this isn't a good deal. So Here are the things we're going to need to accumulate when underwriting a property to see if it's, hey, this is a good deal, we need to pursue it, or hey, we shouldn't, all right? Well, first, we got to know what the purchase price is going to be, but to be able to find the purchase price, we need to know what are similar homes in the area selling for. Essentially, what is this home worth? And then what can this home be worth if I were to put a little love into it, assuming that you were buying a distressed property? And a great way to find comparable home sales, okay, number one is hiring a realtor. That's an easy way to do it because they'll do all this work for you. A realtor will go and put a whole market analysis for you and they can tell you, you know, these three homes are comparable. They sold in the last two months and then break down, okay, this home had a garage, the home you're looking at doesn't, your home has a fireplace, this one doesn't, you know, and then add and subtract value based on different features that each of the home has. But you want to try to find homes that are as comparable as possible. Hence why we call them comparable homes. So if you're looking at a three bedroom, two bathroom house that you want to buy, you're going to want to run comparables on a three bedroom, two bathroom house that has just sold. And a great way that we find value is based off of price per square foot. So you can look at homes that recently sold, you know, within a two mile radius within the last three to four months, that's comparable to yours and say, okay, it sold at this price per square foot. And then you can look and like I said, add, subtract different features. Okay. This one has a garage. Mine doesn't. Well, let's subtract $10,000 from the value of mine. And you can go through and do all that based on different features that the home has. But if you're a new investor, you hadn't done a lot of real estate, it's going to be hard for you to know those answers. So you're going to want to link up with a new or with another investor, or you want to get with a realtor and they can help you do that. So where, where do we find these? If you're doing them by yourself, well, Zillow is a great place to start. If you're working with a realtor, they're going to look on the MLS, uh, or I like the app PropStream. Um, it is a great place to be able to, uh, look at a ton of different data, but also comparable homes and see, okay, what are homes selling for in this area? And you can also look and dive in and say, okay, this is what homes are looking for that are fully renovated, like flip condition, kind of middle of the tier renovated is good for rentals or as is. And you'll be able to walk away from that saying, all right, this is what it's worth in these three different tiers. How do we go about it from there? 
Next, we need to know our mortgage details. All right. So we need to know, okay, what is our down payment going to be? Are you putting 20% down? Are you doing 10% down? Are you using hard money and then refinancing into a long-term loan? Are you using private money in hard money or private money by itself or a portion of your money and portion of private money? And you're doing the Burr method. What are we doing? That way we know what to account for, not only on the front end of buying this property, but also when if we're doing a Burr method, right? What our refinance is going to look on the backside. And Burr, for those of you who do not, do not know, is ju- it just stands for buy, rehab, rent, refinance, and repeat. And so you're essentially going to buy a distressed property with somebody else's money, okay? Most of the time. It could be your cash. It could be somebody else's cash. It could be a mix of yours and somebody else's cash, whether it's a private lender or a hard money lender. But the point is you're going to buy it in cash and then you're going to rehab it. Okay. You're going to make it nice. You're going to get it rented out. And then once you've got it nice and rented out, you're going to go to a bank and you're going to refinance and get it into a long-term stable bank loan. And so what the bank will do is they'll do, they'll order an appraisal for the new value of that property that you have just bought and rehabbed and rented out. And it should be worth more than when you bought it because you bought an undervalued distressed property and then you've made it nice. You've got it rented out. So now it should be worth a lot more. The bank's going to write you a check for 80% most likely of the new appraised value. You're going to take that check and you're going to pay yourself back. If you bought it in cash, you're going to pay the private lender back. If they loan it to you, the hard money lender, whatever the case may be. And now you own this property in theory without having to put any of your own money in because you use somebody else's or you use cash and you were able to pay yourself back through that refi. So I know there's a lot of information, but we need to know what those details of our mortgage are going to look like. What's the length of our mortgage going to be? Uh, is it going to be a 20 year note? Is it going to be a 30 year note? What's the interest rate? We're at, you know we're in a higher interest rate market currently at the time of this recording, and you know it, it's your cash flow and your numbers are going to be totally different if you were to plug in a three point five percent interest rate or you were to plug in a six point five percent interest rate. So we need to know what those are, and we'll we, we'll go to a mortgage officer um, or a loan originator to get that closing costs. What are our closing costs going to be? Are there any balloon payments? So oftentimes when you buy real estate. You'll do what's called a DSCR loan or a commercial loan or a portfolio loan. It's known by any of them. And so you'll have a mortgage, okay, that is paid like it's on a 20-year mortgage. So you'll pay it like, hey, this is due in 20 years. But at year five, they have what's called a balloon payment where you have to either pay the entire rest of the mortgage back or you have to refinance into a new loan. It's very new loan is very common in the real estate investment space. And so we just need to know, all right, is this included? That way you can mark it and know, hey, I got some balloon payments coming up. We need to go refinance into a new loan. And then uh, PMI, private mortgage insurance. You know, you're not going to have these on DSCR loans or commercial loans or portfolio loans, not that I've seen. But if you are buying a home under your personal name, let's say you're doing an FHA loan to house hack where you're going to live in the home and then rent out the rooms or you're buying a duplex, you're going to live in one side and rent out the other. Well, you're going to have to pay most likely PMI, private mortgage insurance, until you've gained at least 20% equity in the property. So if you're putting 3.5% down on a property, or you're doing 5% down on a property, or even if you're doing 10% down, a lot of times on a second home loan, if you're buying an Airbnb, a lot of people will do a second home loan 10% down. You need to check and see, are you having to pay private mortgage insurance? And if so, uh, what is that going to be? We need to know what our taxes are going to look like. Okay, we can go on the county tax assessor's website, 
get a good idea of what they have been paying. You just know that taxes are going to go up if you if you buy it at a higher price uh, from than the person that you um, you know that are selling it to you. Then your taxes are going to go up. I would sit down, call a CPA. Um, you know, or maybe sit down with other investors in the area and say, okay, you know, what are the tax rates looking like here and calculate what your taxes are going to be. That way you have an idea of, Hey, I need to set aside this amount of money each month to cover my taxes. Insurance, easy peasy, call your local insurance agent. Uh, a great partner of ours is OB insurance, O B I E O B I E. They are a fantastic, um, partner of ours and they cover rental properties, uh, pretty much throughout the entire country. And so if you're looking for, um, a partner to help you out with your insurances, text me OB, OBIE to 864-660-7148. And I'll send the link over so you can get in touch with them and set up a call and see if you guys would be a good fit for each other. But, uh, whether you use OB or you got a local insurance agent, reach out to them and they'll be able to give you how much uh, insurance roughly is going to be for that property. We need to know what our maintenance rates are going to be. Best way to find this out is talk to local property managers. So you call a property manager, say, Hey, you know, I'm looking to buy a property in this area. It's three bed, two bath, this square footage. Can you give me an idea of what my maintenance rate's going to be, you know, based on my rents? And what you'll see is, you know, the, the standard average is around 10 to 15%. Um, if a property manager won't answer your call or call you back, you can call other local investors or get on Facebook groups, local investment groups, or go to local real estate meetups. Um, and ask people, hey, you know, what's your standard maintenance rate? Most of them are going to be 10 to 15%. Uh, that's for long-term rentals. If you're buying short-term rentals, I'd say you're probably 15 to 20% when it comes to, um, you know, what your maintenance rate is going to be based on your annual rents. I will tell you this. I buy properties in what we call B2C class neighborhoods. So it's not like luxury neighborhoods and it's not, you know, war zones. It's somewhere in the middle. When you're in the BDC class, you're going to be somewhere between 10 to 15% maintenance rate. Okay. I about bought a portfolio in a, in D, in a D class neighborhood one time. It was a, it was like 19 homes. I was all excited about it. I was a new investor and I was like, man, this is going to cash flow. I'm getting a great deal because I was plugging my maintenance numbers like it was a B2C class area. I also was plugging in my vacancy rates, which we'll talk about here in a minute, like it was a B2C class neighborhood. Well, luckily, I was set to close in a few weeks. Luckily, I called local property management. I said, hey, you know, I just, I ran this on my calculator, my rental calculator. And I wanted to make sure that I got this right. I'm, I'm sitting at about 10 to 15% maintenance rates and 5% vacancy. They said, oh, no, 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 not for this area. She said, you're probably going to be about 50% in maintenance rates. And you're probably going to be at a 15% vacancy rate. You guys understand what that did to my numbers? Absolutely destroyed them. I backed out of the deal. I mean, I had already paid for inspections. I lost $3,500 in inspections. Um, and a lot of these homes were in bad shape. And uh, some people play that game, you know, the slumlord game. Not for me. Um, and, and I did not do, I did my due diligence, right? I wish I had done it sooner before I went and spent all the money on the inspections. But I got out uh, without, you know, without it being a lot worse than it could have been. So just make sure you're doing your due diligence on um, you know, each individual property because it's different depending on location.
Hey guys, when you're just starting out as a real estate investor, finding deals is the most important thing you can do. But unfortunately, it can also be your biggest hurdle. And let me tell you, it gets even harder when your business grows and you don't have a lot of time to look for properties and evaluate deals like you did on the front end. That's why you need to work with New Western. New Western has properties ready for rehab on their marketplace today. That means you skip the hours of research, driving neighborhoods, or calling agents. And instead, you get to start with a ready-made property. You can rehab and flip it or rehab it and burr it and hold it as a rental. So why is New Western good at what they do? Well, they buy and sell a property every 13 minutes. They work exclusively with investors and value-add properties, and that's all they do. They're licensed agents, they have a network of lenders, and they'll help you grow your business. So if you're ready to jumpstart your next project, visit newwestern.com, join their marketplace, and access the largest private source of rehab properties in the nation. We need to know how much capital expenditures are going to cost. And when I say capital expenditures, I want you to think of big ticket expense items like your roof, your HVAC, your kitchen and bathroom remodels, replacing windows, appliances, etc. Okay. Um, many investors will include capital expenditure savings under their maintenance. All right. And then they'll just base the savings rate that they need to, to save off of the age of each capital expenditure item compared to their expected service life. So how long should the roof last compared to how old is the actual roof? Right. So how long do I have to replace it based on the service life and its age? What's that price going to be? And I'll factor that in to my monthly expenses. Now we can get in the weeds here on different strategies. If you're burring on the front end and you're using private money or hard money and they'll loan you for the rehab and you know the roof's getting pretty darn old, maybe you go ahead and replace that on the front end with somebody else's money if you can make it you know valuable enough and worth more to where it's going to pay you back on the refinance on the back end. Uh, but there's so many different strategies. That's why it's important to have somebody in your corner who's helping you out. Um, but you just want to make sure that you're that you're taking care of your capital expenditures. A great resource that I found. I don't have any affiliation with this um, with this guy. I know him, but it's a fantastic resource. It's called retipster.com/terms/capex. Okay, uh, again, retipster.com/backslash/terms/backslash/capex. C-A-P-E-X, and uh, it will. It's like a little calculator that'll help you know how much you need to be saving for uh, capital expenditures. If you're going to use a property management company or a property property management software, we need to know what these fees are going to be. Great way to find out is you just call a local property management company and say, hey, what are your fees? And they'll tell you. So you're going to see the average for a single family home is 10%. You may see anywhere from 8 to 12%, depending on how many properties you have and the location that it's in. And for short-term rentals, somewhere between 15 and 25%. Um, and then if you're going to manage yourself, you know, software to manage, um, you know, properties is relatively inexpensive compared to property managers. Uh, but I'll tell you, I've, I've managed long-term rentals. I've managed short-term rentals. I love a property manager. I pay 10% every month because of the stage of life I'm in and uh, it works for me, but, um, you know, whatever works for you, you just need to make sure you're accounting for whatever the expenses are going to be. Mentioned this earlier, but vacancy rates. Uh, the Census Bureau says the national average is you know five to seven percent, um, and that changes you know varies little by little. But um, you know that's a that's a good number to plug in. When I'm running my numbers, I'm normally putting five percent. 
as vacancy rate for me. Uh, you can reach out to other landlords, ask them what they're seeing that are in the area. You can reach out to real estate agents, uh, see what they're seeing. Um, but again, national average five to seven and local property managers are probably going to be able to give you the best numbers because that's what they do for a living. Now, if you've got to cover utilities, we need to know what's power, what's water and sewer, what's cable and internet, what's gas. In the long-term rental space, the traditional long-term rental space with a single-family home, you normally aren't going to have to cover any of those. You're normally just going to have to cover your mortgage, your taxes, and your insurance, uh, and obviously maintenance of vacancies, but you're not going to have to cover utilities. If you have an Airbnb, sometimes if you have multifamily, such as you know duplex, triplex, quadplex, and then obviously if you have a big apartment complex, um, you, you're probably going to have to cover utilities or a portion of utilities. So we want to know, have a really good idea of what each of these is going to cost so that we can account for them. You know, if you don't account for, let's say utilities, you know, powers, what, 500 water sewer, let's just say you got 750 a bucks, 750 bucks a month in utilities and you totally forget to account for that on the front end, that's 750 bucks out of your cash flow every month. That can be a big problem uh, if you underwrite that incorrectly. Services, same thing, trash and landscape. If you own a apartment complex, if you own an Airbnb, uh, duplex, whatever the case may be, you pay it to cover these services. Again, if you own a single family home, most likely you will not. Or if you own a triple net um, commercial uh, building, you, you won't have to do that either. HOA, if you have an HOA in the neighborhood, um, then we need to know what those are. You just call the, the, the HOA president, say, hey, you know, what, what are, what are our fees here for HOA? I own an Airbnb in a gated community in Charleston, South Carolina, and it's very expensive. <laughs> These HOAs are expensive. And so if I would have ran my numbers, not accounting for the HOA, I'd have been sad once I saw what my actual returns were. So making sure you know what those are, is going to help you. Cleaning team, you need to account for your cleaning team if you're going to be doing Airbnb. So um, great way to find out what that's going to cost is calling local cleaning companies uh, or turnoverbnb.com. They just changed their name to turnobnb.com or turno.com, excuse me. Um, and you can get a good idea of what your cleaning rate's going to be um, you know, per clean. So it chain, it can be different everywhere. You know, uh, I've seen 80 bucks. I've seen 150. I've seen over 200. So you want to reach out. And then fees. What are your fees? Okay, when I mean what I mean by that, and this is often going to be Airbnbs, but it could be anything. Like, does it cost you to have a business license to run an Airbnb or your rentals? Does the city or county um, charge you for a short-term rental license? Right, and if they do, then we want to take that and we want to plug it into our calculator so that we can make sure that we are getting. Um, correct numbers. And we know, okay, this is like how much we're going to be spending every, every single month. And so then once we plug these numbers into a calculator and we'll do another episode telling you, what do I look for? Um, you know, once we plug these numbers into the calculator, when we're going to look at our cash flow, cash on cash return and our cap rates, our net operating income or our NOI. And that's going to be able to tell us after plugging in what our rents are and then everything else we just talked about, it will spit out and say, this is how much cash flow you're getting. This is your cash on cash return. This is your cap rate, your net operating income. And you'll be able to look at this hard data and say, this is a good deal or it's not a good deal. What it does is it removes emotion out of the picture and it replaces it with logic and data that you can look at. And you can't argue with what the numbers are saying. I've tried, you'll sit there and you'll stare and you'll try to make a deal make sense, uh, but it just doesn't. And so eventually you'll give up and you're like, okay, this isn't a good deal. As bad as I want this property at this purchase price, 
at rates what they currently are at rental prices, this doesn't make sense. And so you'll either go back to the drawing board and say, I need to get this at a lower price. I need rents to be higher. Can we get the interest rates lower? And maybe you, you're able to accomplish one of those three things to you know make it a better deal. Um, or you just walk away, but you do it confidently because you know that you plugged your numbers incorrectly and you analyze. So we'll do another episode talking about what we're looking for when we're plugging our numbers into the calculator. Um, but I've put together a couple of different resources to help you uh, go through these things when you're analyzing your properties uh, for yourself. And so if you want a checklist that gives you all of these points that I just covered in this episode, text me the word analyze to 864-660-7148. And I'll send you a checklist so you have all of this. And then also, if you want the calculator that you plug all of this data into to tell you if it's a good deal or not, message me the word calculator to the same number, 864-660-7148. And I will uh, send those over to you. That way you'll have them at your disposal so that you can use them when you're out analyzing and trying to find deals for yourself. All right. Until next time, thank you guys so much for listening. If you would share this episode with a friend or two, uh, that's how uh, word gets out about this podcast. It would mean the world to me if you would send this to somebody and then take a screenshot right now of you listening to this and tag me on Instagram at finance cowboy. I would personally tell you, thank you. If you take the time to do it. Um, I am so grateful for all of you listeners and hope this is helpful to you. So, until next time, um, we will talk soon. Thank you so much for listening in. If you love this episode, it would mean the world to me if you would share it with a friend right now, or if you would go on social media and make sure you tag me so I can thank you personally for helping me to get this message out. I want you to know that I am so darn grateful for you and grateful that I am on this journey with you. So until next time, we'll talk soon.